Welcome to the Porsche Club Insider, your one stop for all things Porsche and PCA. Here's your host, Vu Gwynn, and the Insider Crew. Welcome everyone to episode 88. We are back at PCA's national headquarters. I apologize to you guys for not being here last week, but you kept uh, the ship sailing in the right direction. And uh, I was at SEMA, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but I have a some great news for those of you that are PCA Insider fans. You've asked, and we now have, take a look here, official PCA Insider decals. They're about two by two. Uh, outside decals. And I'm going to say, if you uh, would like a, a set of these, just uh, comment in the sections below or uh, drop us an email. The first, let's say, 50 people that want some of these. And also, I think uh, all three I of us... I cover up the Apple logo. Well, I don't have an Apple. <laughs> if I had an Apple, it would cover it would. up the Apple logo. Um, but we're going to carry these with us at events. So yeah, if you catch... Any one of us at events and you would like one of these or a few of these insider decals, we will have them with, it with us. It does test my, my patience in pulling the backing off. Uh, you know what? I did notice that because it doesn't I, have a split in the middle, but right. it's a very high quality decal. It's a very thick yes. vinyl. And it will just by the third corner, you'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are with Manny and Damon at the table. And of course, thank you to Robert, who's at the controls. Um, we're going to go through a couple of things today, catch up on what we've been doing for the last week or so. Of course, talk about SEMA, as I mentioned. I think we might even talk a little bit about sort of we're in the season. You guys talked last week about uh, oil changes and kind of like the, you know, the season is changing here in Maryland. And I kind of took the opportunity to do some stuff to my cars. We've got some news, um, everything from the 96 three to um, some winning teams and then some you you put a uh, an article in there Manny that I didn't fully understand it has to do uh, with the uh, Chinese market and then we'll do an update on upcoming events did, did you open the link up or you I just, did I did I did but I read it and I read it twice and I not not to jump ahead but I do have a question about it so anyways rewind to uh, past couple of days last week uh, you guys did a couple things not me. No? <laughs> I worked. You worked. <laughs> Are you still ch chasing down your not, AC compressor? Not chasing it down anymore. Um, it should be pretty straightforward at this point. Um, you know, uh, but I'll share a little bit of, of how it went up until now. So, uh, if you've been listening in, I basically bought all the vacuum pumps and all the fluid and gas transfer equipment, you know, and all the things you need in the in the tank uh, to store the R134 or R134A, I guess. And um, so I hook everything up. I put the vacuum on the tank then I close up the tank, turn the vacuum off. I hook up the machine that's supposed to pull the fluid out and um, I turn it on and there's a little knob, one knob, not two. So there's not like in uh, a left side port knob, you know, to open and close that. And then one for the right side. Usually it's like red and blue. It was one knob to do it all and um it was slightly cheaper than the uh the uh, the machine that the video i watched where th th that person used so mm. i'm using a cheaper product um i hook everything up i turn it on and i pull the vacuum for an hour or so mm -hmm. you know to make sure that, that everything's all good and the fluid is out or the r134a and um i go into the back of the car to start loosening up the the hard line for the ac 
and um, I hear this just hissing noise. Oh no! So I'm like, oh gosh! And I had like you know just in case one of those ventilator masks right. with the the filters and everything, and um, so I hear the hissing and I try and close it back up, wouldn't do anything. Oh no! It's, so I just Too loosened late. it all up. Poof! Oh, and the EPA is probably going to come after me oh, or geez. something. But um. Yeah, so hopefully the uh, the EPA wasn't watching. I apologize. I, I tried my best, um, but but basically um, that part didn't go as well as I had hoped. Um, but at least from now it should be smooth sailing. Uh, basically, I need to get the two hard lines off the AC compressor, but one of them is just really buried, so I need mm. a a smaller hex bit, you know, and to fit onto my quarter drive instead of the what is it the through. Three eighths drive. Yeah, it's the other one. Yeah, so so that's where I am. Um, but I, I I shipped the little hex bit to uh, Salinas, which is where the last place I shipped something for work. Um, I think probably for Rensport. I never oh. updated my address, Oops. so nothing <laughs> happened last weekend. But uh, you'll hear about it when I fix it. Very good. How about you, Manny? Well, uh, let's see. Um, is it Monday? No, I think Tuesday. We, we, uh, we did filming for one more review. Ah, okay. We had talked about it on the last podcast that we were going to go after the uh, podcast. So we, I got to drive, um, something that looked minty fresh. Yes. The mint green, uh, 964 RS club sport. I was, uh, one off my bucket list. I'd never gotten to drive that, but a club sport is basically an RS with a stripped out interior and a cage. Wow. Um, it's, uh, Definitely a track car. You could uh, basically take it racing with a few mods. It's a few mods, maybe yeah. an extra bar. Yeah. Um, uh, and that car has got to be super exclusive with the color that it is. I think, what did he say, four or five today? I didn't hear that, but I, I remember seeing RSs back then came in some, I mean, mint green. I know I've seen now. I've definitely I seen one. I thought Bob said it was four or five. Uh, yeah. Known oh. that Club sports, built. yeah, probably a lot less. Beautiful yeah. car. But it's definitely not a street car. I yeah, mean, I would. Uh, I said that in the video. I said first thing that scares me is riding, uh, driving a car, a car on the street in a cage without mm-hmm. a helmet. Right, right. Because your head yeah. hits any of those bars, and none You're of done. them had any kind of padding. Um, even if they did, it's still. Uh, so it isn't designed to be uh, driven without a helmet. So aside from worrying about your head hitting the bar, I mean, you have a 1990-964. Like, how different is the drive? It's a setup for the track. It's more like what my race car used to be. Okay. Uh, probably a little bit, uh, quieter because the race car used to run straight exhaust. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the spring rate was a little bit softer than my race car, but not a whole lot. Really? It's, uh, you were bouncing around a lot. Cause it uh, looks, I mean, it doesn't look that aggressive from the, from the outside. It looks like a kind of a, you know, a slightly modified. It'd be a great car, car to take cars and coffee. Yeah. I, I gave it like poor ratings for, uh, daily driving and road trip. Yeah. Which, uh, no surprise. Right. Um, but for, uh, car, for car show and, uh, and fun factor, very yeah. high. Now, does it, um, does it, how, do, how, do, how does it pull and power and how does it track compared to your it's street car? It's less than 20 horsepower different than a regular, uh, so not, not a huge no, difference in like eight, power. Maybe it's 15 or 16 horsepower more than a yeah. regular one. And it's, but it's more the lightweightness. Yeah. The way the suspension is set up, it's sorted out. It's a, uh, and uh, any idea car. on the value of a car like that nowadays? Three hundred, maybe. I don't remember Bob saying what this owner paid for. I don't think Bob would want us to. Right, right. But just, but just a general. Yeah, general. Value. I think they've sold for around three hundred, three hundred, yeah. two ninety, two hundred. About right. Like and we should say this. So that's, is, so that's like almost three times as much as a standard nine six four. 
Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, uh, like the RSs that we've driven, uh, they were more, more made for the street, mm-hmm. had full interior. Um, we should say this is, was built as a street car, but just wasn't sold in the U.S., right? In some, in some, uh, countries it was, it was allowed to be a street car. I don't think everywhere yeah. except the U.S. it was. Yeah. I think okay. there was other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, like I said, the cage is what would scare me. Yeah. If you're comparing Club Sport like 968 compared to this, no huge no difference, right? Because oh, yeah, 968 had the carpeting still. Right. It was like a like a Carrera T of right, 968, yeah. right, almost, right? Right, right, right. Oh. Uh, this was yeah. uh, it's, in fact, when I got in, it felt like I was in church because you could hear an echo. Oh, really? Uh, because there was no nothing. At least in my race car, I had to run uh, carpeting for my class, so hmm. I got hmm. carpeting. I was joking. You could look, put it up to the light, and see right through the carpeting. Um, that wasn't the case uh, with this car. This car is completely, there was never carpeting yeah. put in the car. And you weren't wearing a helmet to muffle some of the noise either. No, no. Yeah. It wasn't too loud, like I said, because I'm yeah. sure it was running at least one, one uh, muffler in it. Okay. Probably not both, but one. Uh, so it was a very livable exhaust. Just, uh, it's a pure race car. Oh. So last weekend was pretty much like for, for most of the, uh, facilities and events and car shows and stuff like that. Last weekend was kind of like the, the last one right because we're going into november and it's getting colder 30 degrees in the morning and stuff like that um, a lot of stuff going on including you went up to a brand new facility that uh, gt performance just moved into that's the shop i exclusively use mm-hmm. i've been using for 20 years and uh they finally got their own place and uh, they've been working at it for two years uh getting all those photos permits of- yeah it's very impressive so we yeah. had a huge turnout almost 80 people i think from uh chesapeake region and uh I uh used the opportunity to drop off my nine six four because unlike Damon, I cannot handle having any of my cars not running. <laughs> if one thing's wrong, regardless of the fact that I won't use this car like Damon does right. this came is not his primary form of transportation. Damon is very patient. I, I have no patience. I right. have to have everything running just in case. So I will I, say it's it's I hate not having at least two cars running <laughs> at least <laughs> killing me and it's this depression cycle right so you get depressed and that, then you don't want to work on your car oh. and then no well, see, i start thinking what, what why is it broken what can i do yeah anyways uh after i changed oil uh i, I went to go to cars and coffee last weekend and it was running really rough like it was running on five cylinders and i couldn't figure out why and i got it back and looked all around i'm like why, why is it what yeah, did you touch what did you do i, I said change just change oil and i yeah. uh Looked at my, uh, the distributor belt to make sure, you know, the belt didn't snap and I was only running on, um, one bank, well, not one bank, but six, uh, hmm. six of the plugs and yeah. that wasn't a problem. So, and those spark plugs aren't the easiest things to get a hold of. So I said, you know what? I don't have the time. There's a lot of stuff I got to do at work for PCA and we're getting ready for Unstock and blah, blah, blah. So I said, you know what? I'm going to use this perfect opportunity. I'll, I'll, um, drop it off and, uh, Chuck, uh, who lives in uh, Hartford County, uh-huh. I asked him for a ride back home. And, uh, Gennady, he was so, such an honest guy, he calls me up like on Monday and he says, uh, your car's fixed. <laughs> I'm like, well, what was it? Cause the whole time I'm thinking in my head, car does have 168,000 miles. Engine rebuild time. Exactly. I'm thinking of something <laughs> break. I couldn't hear any noise, yeah. but who knows? And he, uh, he called me up. He said, oh, it was a loose wire on the fuel injector came off. Oh, so wow. you must have moved it. When I put you so were- many rags in there to try to capture the oil from the filter. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to spill any. Then you I'm sure it, uh, I shoved the frags in there, trying to capture any loose oil that it uh, probably I didn't realize because that engine compartment is so tight. 
Right, right. That I, I hit a wire and I didn't notice it when I was looking around to see what could be the problem. So that was good news. Good that, news. Uh, no but, engine rebuild. But the, um, yeah, the tech session was a lot of fun. They did a tech session on alignment. So they actually did an alignment on Greg Hartke's car, his mm. Cayman, mm-hmm. 91. And a lot of people, uh, I think actually got to see this in live for the first person, first time and had a lot of questions about uh, trying to understand what camber is, stuff that we may take for granted. Um, they, they had some good questions trying to understand why you want negative camber, why you want some toe in, uh, and so forth. It was, um, so I noticed it's a, uh, looks like it's a fairly new hunter machine. Yeah. And for those of you that haven't done an alignment recently or haven't gone to a shop with a newer alignment system. So the older, the older sensors that used to go on the alignment racks had almost like claws that you would have to like sort of wedge in between the rim and the tire. And, you know, if you're careful or you have little plastic pieces, you could wedge them in there without scratching the wheel, but more th- more often than not, a lot of those shops, those little plastic pieces get lost and they just, you know, just force them into the rim and you just get all these marks. With the newer systems, um, these sensors that go on your wheels, they actually, the sensor sits flat onto your wheel face and then the clamps actually clamp onto the tire. So you don't have those claws anymore going into the rim in between the rim and the tire, which is really cool. And I, I don't know the, technical way of how it knows what center is but they clamp it on they roll it back and forth for a little bit yep. and then it, it figures out where center is <laughs> and it, it's it, pretty awesome it figures out the ride height yep it uh but what's cool was uh, igor uh, uh gennady's son was doing the alignment he was showing how why it takes so long sometimes is because you adjust one side it'll affect the other side yeah, yeah for sure and uh it's it doesn't like okay I, i've got the uh camber set now i can move on to the toe now, when you nope. adjust the toe, it's going to just uh, affect the camera. So it's a constant back and forth of getting everything to uh, yeah. to be uh, synchronized. But uh, yeah, it was a very uh, and having someone having someone that knows how to do an alignment on a Porsche, especially if you go for a more aggressive alignment, it makes all the difference in the world. And I think I've told this story before. So my dad, who's quite thrifty, and he has a he has a nine eight six Boxster, and he got his alignment done at you know whatever whatever tire place and um i had uh i had the folks tom chan and mike levis do the alignment on loann's 986 and the cars are pretty similar but they drive very different it's amazing how an alignment can change the characteristics of a car because if you have more toe in and it's less darty if you have a toe out then it is darty and then um camber settings and caster settings and all that kind of stuff like if you have someone that really knows how and you know the folks at uh tpc obviously they race and such like that i didn't realize like a proper alignment could do such amazing things for a car yeah oh yeah definitely and what we learned with project 964 was if you haven't had the alignment done for a while and you have an older car uh, they may have to bring the torch out oh yeah yeah. Yeah, (laughs) i mean uh i think on greg's car they had to do one they couldn't get one nut off, so I heard him saying, "Once everyone leaves, yeah. we'll uh, we got that in the, the video, not too. the whole yeah. thing, but yeah, yeah, he stood there for a while. Yeah, it's those was... uh, what tie rods, tie rods. Oh, it's yeah. a pop the tie really rods. Yeah. yeah, I remember thinking, and this is why I didn't want to try this back at the office with yeah. the strings, right? Because um, it, doing the doing the alignment is not too hard oh. uh, with the string method, but uh, if you run into bolts, 
that won't don't loosen and uh, and PCA's headquarters our garage is the worst garage to work in and out of because we don't have any tools here <laughs> so yeah, we, yeah. and so it's and pretty so, critical yeah it's just it's like the one tool you need is at home and that just frustrates yeah. the heck out of me like I, I'd rather just work at home yeah. but you're right though sometimes the easiest jobs can be a nightmare just because of one bad bolt or one strip bolt or yeah with um, alignment string alignment um what I find takes the longest. It's it's not even really setting up the string. Once you've you know gotten your PVC pipe and if that's what you're using, not yeah. like an actual thing, and cut the slots. You have your fishing line. Setting all that up might take five minutes or so. Um, and then you raise the car, and of course you have to move all the all the stuff. But it's it's the fact that you you raise it the first time, make your adjustment. You're yeah. probably going to be doing it another five, six times. Right, and right. It's going to take the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that, Which is why. why, if you want to do string alignments, if you want to do it yourself, um, you know, for whatever reason, if you have the means to buy those specialty, you know, uh, what do they call them? They're um, the smart uh, smart alignment, alignment or something. Or something like that, yeah. But but they get uh they they just hang over the bumper. Right. Yeah, they're the like hatch. aluminum. Uh, right. Um, yeah. So so square. that that's the sort of thing where. You don't have to move your jack stands and PVC pipes and then raise the car up and then put it back down and then realign everything. You just keep it on the car. Yeah. So that's a little secret. If, if you don't want to be spending time and you have the money, get one of those smart strings. That's smart what they're called. Yeah, yeah. The only strings. time we used it was at the track, and that was a, yeah. a handful of times when we had to do suspension work that meant we took things out of alignment. So then yeah. we had to rush and find somebody who had smart strings and borrow it yeah. just yeah. to get a rough to make sure that uh, – the car would handle somewhat well in the race, but not nothing yeah. uh, that was permanent. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about going and finding someone with a good hunter machine. Because <laughs> not only the strings, but then you have to have like the plates underneath the wheels so that they don't bind, right? Like if you raise your car at home and then you set it down, yeah. the, the wheels can't slip in and out. Yeah. So then you got to roll the, it back and forth, yeah, and that's not good enough, really. Forth. Oh, forget about yeah. it. Let's that's just, what I do, and it works, but yeah. yeah. yeah no, you, again, you're much more patient it's than tedious. I. Uh, you also went on a uh, a tour. Yes, our uh, club's last tour. Um, uh, at least we have a small one in, at, uh, in December for a, uh, a toy drive, but this was the last big one. And the uh, weather was absolutely gorgeous. I think we had 50-some, maybe 60 cars, four groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to go see all the different colors uh, as the leaves are changing in western Maryland. It was a blast. Yeah. We, uh, it's one of the things, three hour tour. one of the many things I think, you know, being a member of PCA and in your region is, you know, our, our, our volunteers know how to run tours and run them properly. And, and I, I, I say that because there's a lot of like, you know, smaller groups out there that just kind of go out and kind of hammer it and, and hope for the best. And, you know, what I love about PCA is they have, you know, they have this secret sauce to running fun, but safe um, for all driving skills. Like you, it's like you, you know you you you're out there representing <sighs> the club, and you can't be doing crazy stuff. Because I saw a video, I think it was on the tail of the dragon, where somebody was. You think you did you send it to me, or I saw it somewhere um, where someone was following a car, and it was like I think it was following like a Turbo S or something like that, and uh, the Turbo S was going into a corner at a pretty good clip, and put two wheels on leaves. 
and that was I think all. I saw that too. And yeah. that was all. I mean, that car went right into the hills, and I was like, yeah. And like our 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 club members, and of course you can't avoid everything, but I know a lot of our club uh, leads and tours, like they re, they run the route before the event. They mm-hmm. run it maybe sometimes multiple times. They, you know, they have a lead, they have a mid car, they have a sweep, they have radios, and all that is you know sometimes people think it's too constricting you know um and having fun but it's all to get everybody from one point a to point b safely have fun enjoy yourself and just a little uh that's probably because you don't you probably don't hear about you know all every time it happens but tours can be dangerous if they're not organized well oh absolutely and you, you don't hear about the horror stories all that much um but yeah pca's got your back when it comes to that yep yep so as I said, it's kind of changing seasons and you guys talked about how you did your oil change and Manny, I did the same as well. Uh, did a number of oil changes, but also got me to remember, uh, we did a great video. I don't know if Robert can find about, uh, things you can do for winterizing your car because mm-hmm. now as temperatures drops, especially here in Maryland, tire, like I have summer tires on a lot of my cars. And as the temperature drops, you know, you want to move over to an all season or a winter tire. I did oil. I filled up my, um, my windshield washer fluid. I checked the wiper blades. I looked at the filters. I got all the leaves out of everything. Whew. It was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but it's just stuff like, you know, it's kind of a nice time to do it. Cause it's not, it wasn't too hot outside, but just to go through, I also important is to uh, check the, the, um, the pressure of your tires. Cause for every 10 degrees, your tire drops one degree. So if it goes from 40 to 30 or 50 to 40, you're going to lose a pound, a pound, a pound, a pound. And Mm -hmm. most cars do have, you know, um, tire pressure monitors, but it's just, it's a good time to check all that right now. Yeah. Be ready for the winter. And if it's not a Porsche, your tire pressure monitors aren't, aren't measuring individual wheels and tires. They're measuring the rotational difference between each wheel. So if all of your tires, you know, lose PSI because of temperature, it's not going to show up. So go and go and check those. And if you're not sure where, what your setting should be for your tire pressures, where do you go? Door jam. Door jam. Usually. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Or of course you can always go to your owner's manual. Yep. All right. So let's get into Viva Las Vegas. That's where I was at for SEMA, um, the specialty equipment manufacturers association. If you're not familiar with that event, it's one of the largest conventions um, out there uh, in Las Vegas, takes the full convention center and spills out into the parking area. But basically, it's anybody and everybody that has aftermarket or tools uh, for the automotive industry, they are there. Uh, last year, we, we this is, I think, was our 13th time going to SEMA, and it's great for PCA. Um, to head out there and to meet with a lot of um, our sponsors and advertisers and, of course, look at new tech that might be out. Uh, last year, we noticed there's a huge void left by a lot of larger manufacturers that didn't come out. I mean, after COVID, some of them just never came back. Um, I'm happy to report that this time uh, there were some some larger um there was Toyota, there was Hankook, Toyo obviously is always there. Um, but there was also a lot more small to medium sized companies. And so it was very fruitful for PCA to kind of visit and meet with everybody. It was cool to see how many people knew about PCA. And also as we were looking at, um, all the modified 
typically in all of these booths, there's some sort of modified vehicle. And there's a, this year it was a nice, there wasn't one dominant car. Like one year we went, it was like the Supra was the thing. And then mm-hmm. one year we went, the, the Bronco was the thing. This time it was like a nice, you know, nice selection of all cars. Uh, but of course we gravitated to all the, um, the Porsches and people knew about Unstock. <laughs> and they're nice. like, yeah, they're, they're, they're like, you know, it was, it's, it's a thing now, right? And, uh, uh, Ilko and I have, uh, invited a number of cars. And this was the whole idea of Unstock is to get these modified cars to have a place to go to after SEMA. So hopefully we will see them by the time you listen to this. It would have been, uh, Sunday, uh, at uh, HRE Wheels in Vista, California. And, uh, we're looking forward to seeing, um, these cars out there. So Robert, I don't know if you can bring up some of the cool cars that were there. So this car was really neat. It had 15 inch super wide wheels with a wide body kit. Um, and you look, see the vintage kind of P7 wheels. This actually had a huge brake upgrade to it. Um, it was, uh, Terox brakes, a uh, huge brake upgrade to it, but fits underneath a 15 inch wheel. And, What's uh, the story with how dusty it is? That you know, that's the thing is you 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 just get people's attention with bringing different things. This car was driven and just left dirty, and just looked sinister. And it was uh, it's it's funny how many of the younger folks, as I was looking at the car, walked up to and they're like, "This is just perfect, just driven." So if you're watching on YouTube and you're seeing the picture that's up right now, um. If you look at it and you don't have your glasses on, yeah. um, like me right now, <laughs> it almost looks like, man, what did they do with that paint? That looks like a cool new design. Uh, and then you, I'm like, wait, no, that's dust, that's isn't just it? Dust. That's oh, just God. Dust. So, so is the next thing going to be like, yeah, I mean, fake this, dust this thing, again, if you're not watching on YouTube, this thing is flared <laughs> out. It's black on black, 15 inch, sort of, sort of like gaudy looking wheels, yeah, 917, um, five spoke style. Yeah, it looks yeah like. exactly. And, uh, a special front end on it it just looks mean and uh um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was very cool uh next robert we've got this car that was on the toyo uh tread pass which connects the two convention center buildings this vehicle was just a custom build car obviously it was inspired by a 356 but that is some sort of i don't even know if that's carbon fiber but it's some sort of carbon material that's been laid and epoxied and shaped into what looks similar to a 356 but it actually had a, a honda k motor mid-mounted like a boxster um completely custom car and of course people uh, at sema go crazy over stuff like this it's a crazy build nothing porsche really about it um but it didn't start out as a porsche at all no, no i think it it's didn't. a custom chassis car custom body car the wheelbase is different um yeah. It's interesting. Um, if you're watching on YouTube and, uh, or if you're not and you're familiar with how a 356 fender sort of front fender curves, um, in the front left kind of level with the headlight and in front of the front wheel, there's a seam. And I yeah. wonder to me that says that this was left bare to show the technology. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that was probably sure. folded under to get the curve and then yep. it'll be painted. Yep, exactly. At some point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it looks really nice. Looks yeah, cool. Very cool. Very custom. Uh, we saw a number of um, aftermarket exhaust systems for 992s, 991s, um, titanium, aluminum. Um, this little setup here, obviously, you can see how much lighter. I mean, there's just less material. I think I think that uh, the top exhaust was like 
I want to say 20 pounds or 30 pounds lighter than the factory exhaust. And it still has valves and everything. So you can run quiet or run it wide open. Some of these welds, um, you know, pretty, pretty amazing stuff there. Again, just all bolt on. This car here, no, we typically see RWBs in 993, but this is the RWB kit on a 997. So of course you have the riveted flares, but it's not as wild and crazy as a 993 RWB. I thought it looked pretty tasteful. It's sort of like a, um, if a 997 and a, G, a 993 GT2 had a kid, like this would be the car. And uh, it was is an attractive from the the profile view. It's actually kind of tough to see anything big that was done unless you notice the uh, the, the, the flares bolts or the, the rivets, rivets for yeah. the flares. But you also have to think. To me, air cooled Porsches <coughs> look when you do an RWB to them, they look a lot different from how they did stock or beforehand. Yeah. I don't know. Nine nine seven sort of lend themselves to wide body a little bit more easily. I'm wondering if it's just the platform makes it a little less. And, and it might be this version of the RWB kit. I don't because yeah. the nine nine threes they have like you know the standard RWB and then they mm-hmm. have what's called the super wide, which is like almost that yellow car at sports almost, car together fest animated kind of how wide it is. Yeah, so, yeah. So maybe this is just one version. I don't know if they make a super mm-hmm. wide, but I thought it looked really good. Yeah. Same. So here is, of course, a uh, Carrera GT in what looks to be... Uh, is it Fiance or Fiance yellow? Or is uh, it Speed yellow? I think it's Signal yellow. Let's see. But the crazy thing there is that car is wrapped. Oh, wow. That's a wrap. That's, that's nice. And uh, in the, in the, I think it's in the West Hall of um, SEMA, there's got to be a couple of dozen of companies that make uh, PPF in color, paint protection film in color, and they have all different kind of wraps. And of course, every year you just see the technology in wraps just get better and better and better. And to see this car in person, now if you looked at some of the, um, you know, the hiding edges and stuff like that, yes, you can tell it's a wrapped car, but from two feet away, I mean, it just looks like, Someone painted it. It's pretty amazing. And and a lot of these wraps can accept a ceramic on top of it. So you can have it just as glossy as paint. And um, yeah, pretty amazing. That that car was all wrapped. Anything else, Robert, that I got up there? Oh, um, do you have the, the carbon fiber car with the purple? I don't know if you have that. No, it's okay. So probably the, the, the car of the show for me was actually at the Vorsteiner booth, which is, um, a subsidiary or partner to, uh, Gunther Works. So it was Vorsteiner's, uh, anniversary. They brought out the Gunther Works Speedster in, um, open, open carbon fiber with purple accents. And this car was gorgeous beautiful beautiful car and um yeah it pretty much stole the show uh i don't know if i have um, it on my computer yeah and that's it yeah i can see the yeah. purple a little bit sorry wow. you'll have to look it up just uh just google um carb there it is so he's got the video so yeah the, the exposed carbon beautiful purple wide body um the ducktail everything it's a weird carbon. looking ducktail looks like a ducktail that 
hiding an intercooler or something. It, it's uh, it's got I don't know. No, that car's not no, a, that car is normally aspirated. That's not the turbo aspirator. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Different design. Yep, and you can see all the beautiful carbon that's all laid out. So yeah, so that that's SEMA, and uh, there was also a car that we'll, we will see at Unstock, the uh, a uh, baby blue, a Golf Blue or whatever uh, HRE uh, Carrera GT was there. Oh, there it is. Nice. That was on display as well, and um, there was uh, something that you might like, Manny. There was this. Uh, what's the buggy called? Myers Manx. Yeah. Myers Manx looking thing that yeah. uh, Chip Foose built. Inspired by a 356. Oh, nice. And it is basically taking a bunch of um, 356. So here we have a, a Cayenne and the Pink Pig livery with the Overlander package on it. Um, but this Myers, I don't know if it's a, a, technically a Myers Manx, but it was a buggy. And um, Ra, um, Chip Foose did some really cool um modifications to it utilizing all 356 parts from the motors to the gauges to the seats and yeah, very very cool yeah all right so you did um you uploaded a couple of videos i know uh the carrera t which is a very cool car yeah carrera t um one of our correspondents in michigan uh, robin warner um had uh, asked me hey do you want any content on a carrera t and we hadn't done one on uh, or a one mile review on one yet. Um, and yeah, he drove it. He gave a great review of the car. Um, I will say, um, because for me, it's hard not to notice. And I think somebody did notice. Um, we are experimenting with new GoPro settings and we got one setting slightly wrong. So sorry, it's a little choppy, but, um, ah. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get that better next time. And, um, I hope you enjoyed the, the, uh, the review. Um, I will say, Having driven a Carrera T recently in, in Germany on some back roads and, and at, at speed, such a good car. Like you really, for me, that might be the car I get, you know, unless I had unlimited money, you know, but if I were thinking, do I want a Carrera GTS or an S or a T, you know, and I'm really, I'd probably go for the T. So Manny, do you think the T is like what the RS America was back in the day in terms of like, trying to be minimalistic and you know sort some, of some minimalistic sort of minimalist yeah. i mean a modern day car today yeah. you can't go that minimalistic. it's not a gt3 but, rs right. or gt3 when it comes to how much because because the rs america didn't have that many things different from no, uh, no. The, <coughs> and also if equal everybody got four options which a lot of people got four options yeah uh it was like 20 pounds lighter yeah and and that's fact i mean yeah uh, I, and i challenge anyone to prove me wrong because there's so much misinformation about the RS America. Yeah. But when all was said and done and you compared those four options, the added weight, it wasn't that much different than yeah. the uh, yeah. C2. Without those options, <clears throat> it wasn't more than 100 pounds, I don't think. I th- not it, was more, it was more than no, 20. It was, it was, uh, but, it was not, not it, it was, it was a marketing car. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it did offer was a manual steering. Uh, it had, um, the uh, cloth seats. Mm-hmm. It offered, um, fixed uh, tail. Uh, a, a back, a no back seat. Back seat to the, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, like Damon said, fixed yeah. tail, um, and turbo suspension. Mm. Um, but the so, brakes were the same. The engine was the same. I mean, there was stuff that people were saying, oh, it had seam welds. What happened, what was happening back then was people were getting the Carrera RS 
confused with the RS America. Oh, I see, I see. And uh, yeah. they were taking everything from the Carrera RS and saying, that's what we're getting. Right. And we weren't getting that. Yeah. So to answer your question, I think that T, um, well, T is the only entry point to get manual mm-hmm. gearbox. Right. So um, I, I would get a T over top of base model. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us have driven a base Carrera yet, one of the new ones. But no, we've driven I the haven't. S and we've yeah. driven some of the others. Um, but I would get the rural theory. Yeah. That would be a guarantee. If any option I got, it would be rear wheel steering steering. on that car. Yeah. I don't know if I'm sold on rear wheel steering. Um, The ST doesn't have rear wheel steering, crazy enough. Yeah. Um, But the way I uh, see it compared to the RS America, I think I would agree, you know, because the RS America wasn't that much different. But I think from behind the wheel, it felt a lot more different than what it actually was. And that's what people liked about it. You know, manual steering, it really changes the characteristic how, the character of, the of how the car, how you drive the car. Now, not having driven a base new Carrera, um, I, I don't have a comparison point with the T in that. But what I can say is that, um, if the T has any of its performance upgrades or, or light weighting that it has, you're probably not going to notice that. You're just going to notice that Porsche, all the little things that Porsche's done, Probably makes it drive differently compared to a base car, and it, it felt it was so fast. It was so the T is the last manual non GT car. Is that true? No, because the S is, still has a manual option. The S still has mm-hmm. a manual option. Yeah, just okay. the lowest entry point is the T. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Porsche for some reason they didn't <laughs> offer a manual for the base Carrera, but they did for the S, and they huh. do for the. GTS. Okay. okay. And then they came out with the T. I would love to see the production numbers of a base versus a T. Yeah. It's almost like, why even make the base? Because you can get the uh, PDK on a T. It's a, it's an option. Okay. No cost option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only that, who do you know who drives a base 992 Carrera? I don't think I've ever seen one. I mean, exactly. I don't they, they that. That, would be, that would be my entry <laughs> yeah. point would be a base. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, um, and what's crazy is... We say base, but it's an amazing car, right? Like, Porsche oh, yeah. will base tell is al- us. Base is almost like a negative connotation. I don't know how many but- dealers uh, will, uh, you know, they want to maximize their profits. So you're probably going to be walking out the door at a substantially higher price. Uh, you're not going to be able to get a base with nothing on it. Yeah. I forget which car it was that um, Porsche sort of corrected me on once, but um, it's not a base Carrera. It's it's a a Carrera with the 379 horsepower. Engine. I know that's what I'm, that's not what I'm a, kidding. There's, there's nothing base about a Carrera. <laughs> but yeah, but P- I guess Porsche just, would agree with you say, on yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow, yeah. right. amazing car. Uh, before we get into the news, I want to do my part in reminding everyone: if you haven't signed up for the PCA newsletters, just head over to PCA.org and check out uh, eBreak news, Mart Fresh news, and performance news. And of course, uh, as always, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I think we're getting close to 82,000 subscribers on YouTube. And, um, you know, always comment and let us know what you feel about either this particular episode or if there's something else that you would like for us to cover. Uh, we certainly read each and every one of them and we take it to heart. And um, a clear example is people ask for decals or stickers and here we are with them in front of us. So, um, news, uh, Mr. 963, that's one of Manny's titles here in the office. (laughs) Well, to no surprise, Porsche did not do well <clears throat> at the last race um, in Bahrain uh, with the 963. Um, they just have not done as well in the WEC as they have been uh, 
and IMSA. IMSA, they were, you were fighting to the title to the last race. Um, they had a whole host of problems with the different cars, uh, electrical. Um, there was this, um, bodywork problems they had with some of the customer cars. It was not a, uh, it was not a good, uh, happy ending uh, for the season, except, uh, for the ladies driving, driving the Iron Dames. The Iron Dames. The, the yes. Farewell to the, um, to the RSR. Uh, they, um, they won a race. Their yeah. first one, the first time a all women's uh, team won in the WEC since its inception in 2012, I think. So that's pretty awesome. We've been covering the Iron Dames and they've been doing well all year. So this wasn't a fluke. It was a more of a question of when they were going to win because mm-hmm. they were uh, doing so well throughout the season. So it was great to see them, uh, finish, uh, on top at the last race of the uh, season. And that was uh, really the high point for Porsche because um, the 963s aren't cutting it. Right now, aren't cutting it in, uh, in, in WEC. Hopefully, um, so in your little some crystal, adjustments. I was going to say, in your little crystal ball, what needs to happen for them to be more competitive? I, I hate to say it because it's so un like but I think uh, they got to do better with balance of performance to even yeah. out with the... Uh, the hypercars. I mean, they're all in the hypercar class, but it's the two different uh, chassis they're running. Uh, the Ferrari's running basically almost what the 919 was, where everything's mm-hmm. in house. Yeah, uh, we're running what uh, is running IMSA and LMDH, so we're running a off the shelf a uh, hybrid system and um, Multimatics making our chassis. So it's not all in house from Porsche, where it's Ferrari and some of the other makers. It is like Toyota, and it shows. I mean, they just dominate it's uh very frustrating because you're used to seeing uh the porsche brand always on top yeah and um they're just not uh i cut it and then when you throw in you know the fact that you're, you're struggling to keep up and then you throw in the fact that you have uh, issues mm-hmm. that makes it even worse yeah it's right. uh but i ooh. think um you know as far as next year what did i see uh, yes right here so two people tested with joda in the 963. Do you guys know who it was? No. One was Robert Kubica, which you would think any Formula One driver who comes to sports cars probably not a bad thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then Valentino Rossi. Yeah. Oh. Well, he's going to drive. He's uh, a goat. Yeah. For those who don't know, Valentino Rossi is what Hamilton or Schumacher is to MotoGP. Yeah. I don't think he did. Was he testing Porsche or was he testing LMP2? Um, so I saw, so Joda Porsche, you know, like, I think they run an LMP2 car. Okay. I thought I read he was doing an LMP2 car. Oh, you're right. It was LMP2. And then Kubita must have done the, um, uh, 963 test. Yeah. So never mind. If you've never watched him, there's so many YouTube videos of him riding, uh, in MotoGP. And I wonder if when he gets into a vehicle, does it feel like slow motion to him? Because the things that he, did or does on the track probably simply amazing i've never ridden a motorcycle so i wouldn't know yeah it's i mean it's <laughs> it's a different kind of fast it's almost like it's an insane fast yeah 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 and it's uh yeah so Ooh. scratch that valentino rossi is not with porsche or testing a <laughs> porsche but i believe i saw kubica tested um, hopefully lmp2 is a jump to lmp uh well not yeah lmp1 but uh gtp and uh yeah that would be great to see i'm sure Mm-hmm. They, they're putting him in LMP2 just to get him uh, yeah. his feet wet. And, uh, he sure. tested for Formula 1 Prototypes. back in the day. So he, he was super yeah. close to Valentino Rossi to being an F1 driver, but didn't happen. 
Was he with Was he with Schumacher? I'm trying to remember where. Which maybe not Schumacher. It was they, they traded one one guy. Yeah, Hamil- it was Hamilton. Hamilton got and into a motorcycle. And yeah. the funny part is, uh, who who do you think was better driving the other person's vehicle? Uh, I would say, I would say Rossi. Rossi, Rossi, Rossi in yeah, F1. Because yeah. yeah. if you've never ridden a motorcycle, or maybe Ham- Hamilton, I'm sure has, but. You can't go from going from a motorcycle, motorcycle to a car. Is to probably, car is much easier than car <laughs> to motorcycle. I can, yeah, I can say that. With Especially full going confidence. fast. Yeah, yeah, going fast. You're yeah, going absolutely. fast. Yeah. As much as I've raced, you could not put me on a bike at some point going to turn one. With oh a my god! Yeah. And I, I think those guys are crazy. I'm they, sure absolutely. people think we're crazy. Yeah. But I say those guys are crazy because there's nothing protecting you. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. 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 All right, this next article that you put in there, I read it twice, man. I did click on the link, and they were just talking about the Chinese market is unable to support local production. Like, did I miss the news? Was Porsche looking to produce yeah. in China? Like, yes. build, a factory build a factory and make... Remember, it's their number one market. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the way governments work, they want they want to keep the, the business. Uh, yeah. They yeah. give you incentives and whatnot to... To uh, make the cars in their country, yeah. oh. China more over the years than some other countries have, I think, forced. If you want to sell in China, then they so how many can you off the top of your head? How many locations does Porsche produce cars? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Because like, I remember, like obviously Germany, <laughs> but then Finland used to be. I don't yeah, think I don't they think used they do it in Finland anymore. anymore. But they did though, right? They did. Yes. Yeah, the box. The box. Mike Cayman yeah. was built in yeah. Finland, I believe. Which yeah. I th- believe what I've read is uh, reliability, and it's probably just minuscule percentage uh-huh. was actually better in Finland. In Not Finland. surprising, yeah, because yeah. 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 oh. my Boxster was made in Finland too. Oh. Yeah, yeah, because if you look at the uh, one of the digits on the VIN number indicates yeah uh, what country it was made in. Yeah, and so I looked mine up, and it was Finland. Yeah, but mm. it's um, Finlanders. They're like the the Northern Germans, mm. sort of, right? Yeah, I'd have to look <laughs> up to see. Uh, precise uh, <laughs> what what parts of the cars or um i know everyone wants their 911s made in stuttgart yeah um which i would imagine that'll be the case for a while but you have a lot of the four doors that can yeah you know yeah. Uh, be moved around i so in this article, i'd like the thing to keep it all in germany <laughs> so in this article are they saying the investment to have a production facility in china wouldn't support well right now the, uh, the, the chinese market is in and uh Retracting, retracting. It's yeah. they had twelve percent. The sales were twelve percent less than the year prior. So it's basically them saying we're not at that level yet. I think they said a hundred thousand cars sold. Uh, Maybe the tipping point where they can justify having a factory. So yeah, I, I just brought up a, a newsroom portion newsroom article from twenty twenty one, and um, I thought that they had mentioned where they would be building, and China was one place, but also. Um, in cooperation with Shell, Porsche will set up a small-scale local assembly in Malaysia to join the company's network of production sites. Um, the vehicles will specifically match local requirements and will be available for Malaysia only. So I guess in certain markets, it sounds like Porsche is building factories where, you know, cars... Is, that, uh, is that to come? Not already. I don't know if that's happened because this was 2021. I don't yeah. know. I never saw another news article after that's, this. That's what I was saying is when I read this article, I'm like, wait a minute. Did I miss yeah. the announcement? Well, they announce that? it and then they probably yeah. build it and would you ever hear about it again? Maybe. Mm. But yeah. in China, I wonder if it's the same thing. If, if your Porsche probably doesn't want to have cars that are being exported to non-Chinese markets to yeah. be built in China. They probably want to keep that. 
I'd be interested in how many people would care. I don't know how many yeah. BMW people care that their car may have never seen Germany. Yeah. Only yeah. South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, my BMW is that way. Yeah. Right. Doesn't, doesn't bother me one bit. Um, but some people, maybe if I had an M model, yeah, I'd want it to be made in Munich. And yeah. uh, you know, if it if it's, I think it means something to, especially to an enthusiast. But I mean, to the normal car purchaser, maybe not. To me, doesn't matter as long as it's built well, right? You know, and yeah, China is like, known like, for building really good stuff I nowadays. Mean, not to say something negative, but like, so you know how I have, you know, my son's Honda Fit. Like mm-hmm. that was built in Japan, mm-hmm. and then my wife's 2022 Honda Civic Sport. I think that was built in Ohio. Mm. I can tell the difference in the build quality, <laughs> and you know, guess which one is better? Not Ohio. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, not. And I don't know why, because you would think Honda or whatever manufacturer would just instill the same quality, no matter where they're building it. But there is a perceivable difference. Yeah. Oh, so. I think it's in your head. Um, <laughs> no, I can show you some of the gaps on the car. I think you watched that one movie from Michael Keaton. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's the, was it the, was it the eighties? Yeah. <laughs> Gung ho. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> Gung ho. Uh, the story about what the, what the Japanese come and they take a, a shuttered yeah. American car factory and they open it up. On that's a, so funny. They have to, they have I to play by thought, their rules. I haven't thought about that, uh, movie in a long time. I've so, never seen it. <laughs> so speaking of like retracting sort of, uh, you know, markets and such. We've been reading a lot online about, especially in the, the U.S. car makers is, and Toyota has mentioned how they're kind of leaning into and staying in the hybrid market. Mm-hmm. And so what are your thoughts on the whole EV market lately? I still think it's the future, but obviously the infrastructure isn't there. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. I agree with Damon. Yeah. It's, uh, it's coming. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to take some, uh, and it's not going to be a straight line to success, if you will, or the changeover. It'll be some, uh, detours along the way, but I think in the end, um, it will become. What's your, what's your timeline? Electric. Like, like, do you, like I can see electric vehicles and ice and hybrids kind of being sold side by side because if I lived, like I have a perfect use for an EV car. Like where I live, I can pull up in my driveway, I can plug it in, and my commute is less than you know, thirty miles a day. Like I, I'm really a good candidate for some people that live in apartments in the city in the townhouse or whatever, and they can't plug in as easily. Like that's gonna be a while. Let's, let's compare it to music. We all had we, we grew up with CDs. Uh, rewind further, bro. Right. I had LPs. I'll give and you the benefit of the doubt. LPs and cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, but no one said, uh, oh, you have to, uh, you have to start downloading. We're not, we're not selling, uh, we're not, you're not allowed to have, uh, LPs uh, or, L- um, D- or DVDs or CDs or whatever. Yeah. You have to uh, download it. No, it just suddenly became more convenient. More convenient. Because you said, wait a minute. Instead of me uh, recording it onto a uh, on my computer and then uh, transferring it to my iPod, I can just download the stuff from the Apple Store. Right, right. I remember for me, I was like, "Oh my God, this is so simple." Yeah. And I'll just keep all the music, and I can transfer it anywhere on my computer. And then, uh, like Spotify, Pandora came out. Yeah. And I thought, why even buy that? I just listen to this. Right. Or pay my monthly service, and I can listen to the music I want. And I think it's, I think electric cars are going to be, have to be the same way where instead of forcing it, 
uh, you just show that it's a uh, it is convenient to the consumer. It, it makes sense, and yeah. then the consumer decides, yeah. hey, you know, uh, this is the way I should go. And but it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to yeah. see these didn't happen overnight. You know, I always tell the story. I was eighteen when the, that transformation was taking yeah. place, and um, no one could believe records LPs would disappear. Uh, but once they saw that it, the music uh, sounded better, Technolo- they didn't have skips. Yeah. You can put it, bring it to your car and everything. It, uh, yeah, technology advances and hopefully it, when it becomes more convenient or as convenient as it's what it's replacing, that's when it's going to start to roll in. Like remember when how happy, what was it? Redbox? Yeah. <laughs> Redbox used to be the thing, right? You get a, you get the DVD movie in your mailbox and you thought that was cool. That was you, Netflix. Oh, Redbox Netflix, was Netflix. when you're at the grocery oh, store right, right, right. you can rent. Yeah. Right? Netflix was cool because you didn't <laughs> Netflix have. Netflix was in the mail. Netflix I couldn't understand because I thought, but I can go to Redbox and get the movie right now. I don't have to wait to, three days in the mail for Netflix to deliver the but movies. But people had it in queue. Like Netflix was coming yeah, to the house every day. Yeah, they, yeah. Coming every Netflix day. was good with the And then you Redbox, find Redbox then things. came. Because yep. you thought, oh, I can get a movie while yeah, I'm Yeah, Redbox was perfect because you didn't yeah. have to wait for yeah. Blockbuster to open. Or right. If it was closed, you couldn't get a movie. You could go any time of day or night and get a movie. And then technology advanced, and you just stream everything. And now Redbox is no... They still have a lot of work to do with uh, charging... Uh, if you're going on a road trip, how long it takes to charge. Mm-hmm. And Electrify America is doing a horrendous job of maintaining their charging network. That's yeah, where Tesla reigns supreme. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Tesla does. Um, it's like VHS and beta. You yeah. Know, it's, uh, it's going to be what, you know, what happens is Tesla right now to me, uh, is so far ahead in their charging network and their, their range and whatnot. Um, here's another one for you. Depreciation. So as these cars, electric cars get used up and I, I think in most reports, like batteries up to a hundred thousand miles, um, you know, they maintain like 90, 95% of whatever their original life. But, you know, a lot of people keep cars to, you know, 150, let's say if the next person is then having to replace that battery at $10,000 or $15,000, that's obviously got to negatively affect depreciation like how do you how do you oh, deal sure. with that right it's th- gonna become a phone no no one is lining up to buy a used iphone 4 right i know so so i guess it's like the, you're you're buying so your the process. manufacturers are gonna have to do something yeah because otherwise uh you know phone is one thing yeah but a car is a different uh yeah thing altogether when you're talking tens of thousands of dollars exactly uh, and then you can't unload it because yeah. people don't want to be caught you know with the hot potato yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's that's a hard pill to swallow to find out that your uh, your Tesla Model Three uh, isn't worth anything, and yeah. by the way, it's not uh, current, so you should get a new one. Yeah. So I uh, was recently texting with um, one of our uh, occasional contributor to PCA.org, um, Tom Neal, and he ended up sending me a, a 2022 Ruby Star uh, Tycon GTS Sport Turismo. Bought it for 183, and it. Just well, I don't know if it sold actually, but the high bid was one eighteen. What car was this? A, a, a Ruby Ty- Star, uh, twenty twenty two Tycon GTS Sport Turismo, one hundred eighty three MSRP. Yeah, the highest is- bid was one eighteen. Did which, it sell or no sell? Let's let's see here if it sold. Bid to no, it didn't sell. So it didn't sell. So one hundred eighteen thousand dollars is the highest somebody would pay on bring a trailer for a Ruby Star car. That's a gorgeous car too. 
But having said Ruby that, Ruby Star though, bad color for resale, in my opinion. It is, it is but, because I think it's a very polarizing color. Everybody yeah. loves the color, but do they want to rock it every day? Right? Here, here's my thing: Does everybody love the color who actually bought a car in that color? I don't think so. I think that a lot of people bought it because it was sort of the in thing, and if they are planning on selling that car anytime soon, yeah. they might be sorely, you know, disappointed about. I mean, I don't want a Ruby Star car. <laughs> It's too I, loud. I, I would love a Ruby Star car, but I'm like I'm kind of in the minority. Yeah. It's very yeah, polarizing. Yeah. If you want a car that sells, whenever, yeah. go with a blue Mexico blue, yeah. Riviera blue. Those always sell. Yeah. But what is it? Was it the Ruby Star or the fact that it's an electric car that basically 3,800 miles, brand new, and a what sixty thousand dollar discount? I think it's the color. Yeah, I think it's, it's the color. color. To be honest with you, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people yeah they yeah. can't see themselves in that um let's see let's get into events um as you listen to this we will have wrapped up unstock uh in vista california on november 12th we have uh, how many 135 100 and how many cars do we have total um about 160 maybe oh 160 yeah. okay very good. So obviously we will be doing some social media and capturing uh, photos and videos uh, of the event. And we look forward to sharing that with you. We have Treffin at Sea coming up December 9th. If you're considering it, there's a very good deal on inside rooms that it's almost, I mean, it's so inexpensive. I think it's like 800 bucks. How much time do you spend on that balcony? That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. One is you spend. Because I never see anybody on the balcony. No, 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 no. (laughs) You, you, you open the door. You might look at it once and then, and you're not even in the room all that much. You're, you're out doing everything else. So to rewind, uh, 800 bucks for an inside cabin that includes pretty much everything that you do for seven, you know, from the ninth to the 16th food, tip, Wi-Fi, everything. Um, it's you, an amazing you, deal. You get the drink package. It includes the drink package, but it doesn't. You know wow. how many drinks that includes per day? Uh, it, there, there's a there is a cap. I do know a I, cap. There is a there is a cap. Of I hope drinks. so. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up. I think it's sixteen drinks a day. It is. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's perfect. It. Yeah. Perfect drinks it is a perfect. day. I was gonna say there's a cap. I, I said if I'm awake sixteen hours, that means from the morning I, hour I wake up, a drink an it's hour. like a marathon. A drink an hour. Yes, I remember I that there sure was a cap, but I, drinks in a year. I yeah. chuckled when I heard the cap because I was like, I will never. I was talking yeah. to Laura, our office manager. I'm like. Can you do 16 drinks, but not just one day? Yeah. It's every day you're there. <laughs> every day you're wow. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you get so off the did, truck. So did that change your mind? Get off the boat. Here's a, Will you join a, us? A, uh, yeah. No, they take such good care of us. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward. We so have, do you weigh yourself before you get on the boat? And no, weigh heck after? no. Are you crazy? <laughs> no. Uh, but I am looking forward to it. So that, the food is you just go to any restaurant and you eat anything you so want. So we have two formal dinners, uh, but then there's also like a galley where you can go and get food. When you say anytime. we have two, does that mean PCA or the PCA, ship? PCA. PCA has its own like two formal nights and then they have, um, you know, just the regular. Are they as long as the Concord dinner at parade? Uh, no, they're a little bit shorter, <laughs> a little bit shorter. Um, but then the food's amazing and the staff's amazing. So again, hopefully, uh, I'll see you there if you're one of the 800 people that are coming. Oh, we just, we just sent out the uh, app, not the applications, but the registration form for, um, the diecast concord at sea. And we're hoping to get, I think, close to 200 cars to, uh, 
to be judged. So, so I've I've heard from some people who are going um, that there's going to be some serious serious machinery there. There is. Oh like, yeah, last year there was. So to, to the point where you think the nicest diecast car that you own right now could win. I don't know about that. People, people have, are going all out. Last year, people built their own car. Yeah, that's, only, that's the only way you can win because otherwise, you're just buying something and opening it out of the box. Um, you know, I mean, there's three different classes, uh, and maybe you you bring something that is super unique, even though you bought it. Cause I've, there's I've a, heard of custom custom made. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Last year, models. last year, someone custom built one that looks like the car that Princess. Cruz gave away. Oh wow! They custom built a Taycan okay. that looked just like the car they gave away. Yeah, um, yeah. And then then people did the whole like uh, uh, the Porsche like you know on track and like oh all these things. It's it's, it's an amazing it's an amazing Concorde even though yeah. it's one eighteen scale. Yeah, yeah. So looking Very forward cool. to that. I uh, also want to give a shout out to those of you that um, may be interested in uh, or or would like to know more about PCA Sim Racing. If you go to PCASimRacing.com, you can uh, check out the various races that they have. Uh, they also have the schedule for the upcoming races. And if you haven't watched one of these broadcasts, now PCA um, has professionals that cover these races and if i didn't tell you and you were just watching the youtube uh broadcast you would think it was a it's so realistic and what i love is the people that call the racers actually know the individuals that are in the cars because they they too race the, the people that call these and they know like how the drivers are set up and it's it's a lot of fun especially as we get into the winter months and we're not behind the wheel of our uh one-to-one uh porsche uh, check out uh, PCA Sim Racing. Do they have a Telemundo uh, version where you can watch it in Spanish? <laughs> I, I haven't checked. <laughs> because I, I highly encourage anyone. Uh, I came across, uh, so the last F1 race, there was an incredible battle for a third place between uh, Checo Perez and um, Fernando Alonso. Uh, and it was like the last two laps. It was just incredible. that uh, The U.S. broadcast was like, Oh, he made, that yeah. was a nice pass. Very, very polite. <laughs> yeah. The Spanish broadcast is like watching the Goal! World Cup in Spanish. No. It, it, it was like they were watching a whole different race. The, I've got to. You would hear Mamma Mia. Yeah. Uh, it was, I was showing everyone we were having lunch uh, today, uh, the, that, that last lap and a half. And it was just hilarious to hear the Spanish broadcast. I told him, I said, I understand what they're saying, but, it, but you're not going, you're going to hear some words. Yeah. Uh, but it was, they're very, very animated. Very so you emotional. Get a, you, you, uh, look it on YouTube. It's hilarious watching That was an impressive Spanish. pass. That was a lot of fun to watch, actually. So I think we yeah. should get that for sim racing, too, yeah. Spanish language. <laughs> you uh, could do it. You could call it in Spanish. I could not speak as fast as these <laughs> announcers were. <laughs> All right. Well, we are at the top of the hour. Thank you for listening. If you aren't currently a PCA member and own a Porsche, grab that VIN, head over to PCA.org, and for 46 bucks, you too can become a member. If you don't have your Porsche, we have the test drive program. Again, head over to PCA.org, and we'll provide you some resources so that you can find that special Porsche to land on your driveway. 
Remember to follow our podcast Instagram page, Behind the Scenes Photos, Videos, Porsche Club Insider, all one word. You can send us a message um, or email at podcast.pca.org. Again, we have these decals now. If you'd like a set, just drop a note in the comments. We'll connect with you or send us a note at podcast.pca.org and we'll send you a set. And again, like I said, uh, the three of us, we uh, uh, as we go to different events uh, the rest of the year as well as into next year, we'll kind of keep these in our pockets. So if you're interested in uh, grabbing them uh, when you see us we'd love to give them to you so with that until next time stay safe and we'll catch you down the road